As you do with any proposal, you present it with confidence. You deliver the pitch focusing on the value to the consumer, their brand, and the longevity of the project. And most importantly, that when you are done, that they understand exactly what they are getting just as well as what they are not getting. This is no time to be cloudy. This is no time for vague comments because you're afraid of upsetting them or you're expecting that things are going to work out in the end. They won't work themselves out. And yes, you will piss them off if you're vague. If you don't piss them off now, you will later. All kinds of cardboard box. What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? It loses its value if you take it out of the package. Hey, PDU crew, this is Avelio Matos on Package Design Unboxed. We've got a packed agenda today, so let's just jump right in. Recently, I teased out how I won a packaging design and product launch pitch against VaynerMedia and I lost $900,000. Today's episode, it's about knowing your value and understanding what you bring to the table when it comes to pricing packaging design opportunities. Pricing design is always a tricky subject when it comes to how you're going to value it, you know, especially if you're starting out. And as you gain more experience, you become more confident in explaining the value that you bring to the table. I don't believe in billing hourly. Personally, for me, things take longer when I'm focused on time. But I'm going to share how I went up against Gary Vee's agency and I won. But I also lost. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you a story. A few years ago, I was hired by a Fortune 500 company to build an internal packaging design agency. I gave myself 12 months to hand it over. So what did this mean? This meant processes, staffing, margins, and sales. Oh yeah, and design. But not to mention that I also had a self-imposed six-month timeline to get this thing up and running because the first part of building is profit. Having previously built two successful packaging agencies, I applied everything that I'd learned and I got this agency started on day one. It took me a minute to realize that when you're in a big corporation, things don't move quite as fast as they do when you're in a startup world. And everyone that works there kind of likes that slower pace and isn't looking for anybody to come in and shake things up. So I can tell you I was immediately not employee of the month. You know, I wasn't liked very quickly. I moved fast and I focused on the end result. This went up against the grain of everybody there. And immediately, my manager, the guy that had hired me to come in and do this, had had a few choice words with me about the number of people that were complaining about my presence in the building. This was only week one, not to mention people weren't clear on my role when I got there or where I fit in. So it didn't help either. They'd never had an agency They'd never considered charging for design and having somebody come in and do this now was completely foreign to the entire culture of the brand. This crew is a large group of packaging engineers, material scientists, structural engineers, and each one of them could make SolidWorks or RDOs CAD just cry from how good they were at using that software. I can barely spell CAD. So if you're in packaging, there's two types of packaging people you got to know. There's those who use CAD and then there's those who use CAD. I wasn't either of those. So I wasn't very well liked. So just up front, I would just work in my corner quietly. I kept to myself while I was building what I was hired to do. But after a few weeks of getting the cold shoulder from everybody, like every single person there, besides the guy that hired me, I decided to do something about it. I drove to Walmart before work. I bought an electric skillet. I bought a big bag of Krusty's pancake mix. I got some brown sugar. I got some vanilla, some butter, and some syrup. I said, I am not going to stop making pancakes until I can get on the inside, till I can break this wall down and actually start building some trust and relationship with people because it doesn't matter if I'm here to build something if I've got zero trust. So I showed up early. I started making these pancakes in the break room. And once people started showing up, they would smell these pancakes. 
and they'd walk right in, they'd grab a plate and I'd serve them. And it took a few weeks, like literally of me just coming in and making pancakes. That was like my only focus was to come in and make pancakes and flip pancakes. Many of them would come in and eat and not even talk to me. Like they would let me serve them a pancake, but they wouldn't shoot the shit with me. I mean, how can you not talk to somebody that's feeding you freshly made pancakes? And if you want the recipe to these pancakes, which are pretty awesome, I'll throw them in the show notes. But I even had one guy that didn't talk to me because he was super high up, SolidWorks master, key shot, superstar. The guy wouldn't even talk to me. But he came in one, one day and he's like, hey, man, can you tell me the recipe so I can tell my wife how to make these pancakes at home? <laughs> I almost died laughing. And of course, I said, yeah, here, let me just write it out for you. And that was like the first time that he really spoke to me. From a design perspective, though, slowly but surely, project managers that didn't like me, didn't like what was going on and didn't understand how I was working, they started seeing things that were getting done in half the time. Designers started understanding that you don't need $75,000 a year software to design packaging. Even salespeople that were selling the packaging were seeing that I was able to close deals that they hadn't even spotted because they were so focused on their regional specialty that they missed the opportunities that you can find when you can just sit across from a customer and learn what their needs are. When you just sit there and talk to them and you're hearing what they're saying, you're hearing that maybe boxes don't fit or bags aren't the right size, whatever it is that you're having a conversation about, I like to sketch. I don't throw anything into the computer until I've got a fleshed out idea. So I would sit across from them, I'd sit on the phone and I would just sketch. And I would sketch on paper and I would hold it up to the screen. I would take a picture with my phone. I'd shoot it over to them and say, hey, I hear what you're saying. This might be a direction we might want to look at. And I would show them quick, rough sketches of where we could take it. I would show, this is your current packaging. Here's how it opens. You know, here's a possible solution. Maybe we don't have to re-engineer everything, but these two small changes can probably save you money, increase profit, but also deliver a better user experience. And 100% of the time, the clients came back and were super appreciative. And they loved the fact that there was no time wasted in going out and engineering structures and cutting samples. And however, you know, these things take time. They just wanted like immediate answers and they wanted to know, most importantly, that they were being heard. So, my approach to design is to deliver the big picture concept in the first five minutes and then just go from there. There's no foreplay, it's just down to business, right? I sketch out the concept, I lay out the die line. So, even when I'm sketching out the concept, I'm thinking about how this is gonna wrap, how it's gonna cut, what kind of machine it's gonna be on. Because all those things help you land on the right direction and it shows experience. And from a customer standpoint, there's confidence and experience. When somebody's telling you that this won't run on a certain machine or in order to make that happen, we need to change the process, there's a level of you're building trust with that customer and there's a level of trust that comes with them handing over a project to you. So definitely something that you need to learn. You know, everybody else had been trained to build technical drawings in CAD. They would refine the edges. They'd make sure the corner radiuses were perfect. They'd make sure all the folds came together. All the angles were precise. They'd select the right material. And then they would proceed to cutting four or five samples on a Kongsberg. And then between each of those samples, they'd go back to the table, refine the drawings. And sometimes these four to five rounds of samples being cut on a Kongsberg would take three or four days. And they didn't even know if this was a direction that would make sense for the customer or that made sense for manufacturing, they just knew that this was a solution that the program had recommended, that they had come in and refined and they'd created you know, some customizations to it. But that's three or four days of hold your breath, I'm going to come back to you with one idea versus 
sitting across the table from somebody and solving this problem and doing it in real time and having their feedback all through the whole process because you're going to get much further, much faster if you do that together versus go sit by yourself. International Direct Packaging is the only factory direct packaging manufacturer with global showrooms. They design and produce packaging for established luxury brands. Because IDP's team of packaging experts design and manufacture packaging, you get a more transparent supply chain. You're also not going to be paying distributor markups. Find the nearest IDP showroom to schedule your first packaging consultation at idpdirect.com. Because IDP doesn't source factories, they are the factory. idpdirect.com. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to continue taking your packaging to the next level, check out Adam Peake's People of Packaging podcast, where you're going to gain insight into leading minds in the business of packaging and innovation. Also, if you want to keep the sustainable packaging trend going, check out Corey Connors' Sustainable Packaging Podcast. Maybe you want to catch all three of us together, where we answer questions, discuss the topics of the day. It happens every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Clubhouse. Check us out, hunt us down, we'll have a good time. Let's get back to Gary Vee. In packaging, there's little projects and then there are big projects. This was a fun project. It was the chance to launch a new soft drink company that had an amazing story, a celebrity founder, and it was the right time for a brand like this with a ton of consumer demand. So the first meeting is always rough. If you've ever worked with a celebrity, you have to account for a humbling period. And in this humbling period, it's just because it takes time for all parties to be humbled by the challenge, not by the celebrity. And you have to understand this because it's going to take everybody's effort and everybody's availability. And you've got to figure out your schedules and how you're going to communicate in order to launch this thing successfully. Timelines don't care how many Oscars you have, how many stadiums you sold out, how many followers you have. It doesn't give a shit. You've got to focus on the project at hand and you've got to work as a team. So that first meeting was both to determine if we were a fit for each other, as well as gathering the information and set expectations, what roles, responsibilities, and determine what success was going to even look like. If you don't know what it's going to look like, you're never going to know if you've achieved it. So that's one of the things you want to make sure that you hit on in those early meetings. They determined that we were a fit and they asked to see a proposal, fully compare pitches and make a decision. Well, after the meeting, I dropped all the info that I had gathered into a proposal template that I'd built. I calculated the costs, time, the margins, most importantly, the value to the brand, like what they were going to get from the effort that we were putting into this project. You know, how much this investment could translate to sales, cost savings, impressions, position them on shelf. You know, all that stuff goes into it because they're making an investment in their packaging. Is it worth it for them to spend $1? in packaging to get $10 back. You have to decide as a customer how much you're willing to spend in order to get a return. As a designer, you have to be willing to understand that your value comes in how much they're spending, but you also have to show them how much they're going to get for that return. Of course, taking into consideration that this was for a self-funded startup, regardless if it was a celebrity or not, if it's self-funded, you've got to make sure you're looking at every single dollar. I wanted to sharpen my pencil and I want to make sure that we got it. And this could be the project that helped us grow enough to take on the next project and the next and so on. It's how I've grown three agencies so far. Now, this wasn't my first celebrity project. And honestly, I'm pretty upfront with celebs just like I am with anybody else. I remember speaking to Zoe Kravitz when she was launching a jewelry brand a few years ago. Each piece of jewelry was going to be completely unique and had limited annual runs. In that first conversation, as much as I wanted to work with her, I had to say no. And I directed her towards somebody that I knew that made one-off handmade boxes that were fit for purpose. 
but think like I could have been BFS with Zoe, but we weren't, wasn't meant to be. Or there was like this other time when a couple of guys from Peaky Blinders called, they wanted to work together on some packaging. And what they asked was like, look, we're launching a coffee company and we want to give all the profits back to this specific charity. I can't remember what it was. And they needed this packaging for it. They called from the set of season three. And if you haven't seen Peaky Blinders, go check it out. It's a must watch. It's amazing. And they wanted to launch this company, right? They want to raise money for charity. And after going through the numbers, MSRP, cost, shipping, design, there wasn't going to be any money left over to actually donate to the charity. As much as I wanted to work with these guys and start a bromance, I could already see myself being an extra in season four. I had to say no. And I directed them to Uline, which is where they ultimately went. They hadn't worked out the financials early enough that there wasn't going to be any money for packaging if they really wanted to donate a substantial amount to charity. So with this new project, it was the same. Self-funded, the team, deliverables, value to the brand, proposal. The proposal came out to about 150000 for four phases of design that were limited to packaging design, pitch decks, and in-store display with a few prototypes that were prototypes for marketing that were included. Additionally, each sample beyond that was going to be around 2000 bucks a piece because if you know packaging, comps are not cheap. So make sure that you set a limit on how many comps you include in your proposal because they don't come cheap and it'll eat into your profit. As you do with any proposal, you present it with confidence. You deliver the pitch focusing on the value to the consumer, their brand, and the longevity of the project. And most importantly, that when you are done, that they understand exactly what they are getting just as well as what they are not getting. This is no time to be cloudy. This is no time for vague comments because you're afraid of upsetting them or you're expecting that things are going to work out in the end. They won't work themselves out. And yes, you will piss them off if you're vague. If you don't piss them off now, you will later. And that sucks. Or even worse, you're going to get pissed off. And it's never fun to work with a client that you would rather avoid. So at this point, the client sees the number. They come back and say, look, we're a startup. We'd really appreciate it if you could sharpen your pencil. And then they drop. We're also in talks with VaynerMedia to launch this product, but he's coming in a little bit higher. Their team is willing to do this, this, and this. So their number is going to be a little bit higher, and that does make sense. But it's more than I'm offering. So I already know that my number is lower than theirs. He's asking me to lower it even further. And at that point, you have to ask yourself, is it worth losing a client that seems to be on the hook for just a few thousand dollars? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. You have to just make that decision on your own. You know, this company has never built for creative, the company that I'm working at, that I'm building this agency at, they've never built for creative. And they're not alone. Many companies that sell packaging don't build for creative. They just give it away. It's a money pit. And they often fail to realize that they can actually help make them more money by securing clients instead of giving creative for free. So you know, we sharpen the pencil. There's a few thousand bucks that come off. Not enough to buy a Honda, but enough to take a nice trip somewhere. We go out to dinner. I stick around for drinks. We shoot the shit till about two o'clock in the morning. We've had a lot of drinks and having fun. We're just chatting. He spills the beans and he goes, we're going with your team. But he doesn't say that before he tells me that Vayner wanted $1.1 million to execute. He says they were considering it, but I doubt that. So how would you feel about that? You just sold the project for seven times less than what you were pitching against. You can feel as if you just lost $950,000. Of course, the Vayner team has over a thousand employees. They would have delivered more value in different areas, including social media, digital marketing, and a million other places that I wasn't prepared to go as a packaging designer, right? I know where I fit. I know what I can deliver. Those are areas that I can't deliver. 
So they had to make that decision. Were they going to go with this company that can do all of these other things, including packaging, or just focus on the packaging to get this product on market? It hurt, but it was unfounded. It was more pride than anything, I think. This was the first big client for an unproven team within this company. So the bet was really on me being able to deliver from top to bottom. It was a win that allowed me to then build the team and change the culture within this Fortune 500 brand. Changing culture didn't take much more than making pancakes from the beginning. It wasn't about pancakes. It was just about connecting and showing people a new way, but also learning a new way. I was on that Kongsberg nonstop by the end of that year because I just loved it. I couldn't believe that I was actually cutting samples by hand before that, but I still did. I'd always make my adjustments by hand off the samples that I cut on the Kongsberg. I still love cutting stuff on with the Exacto. It's always a good time. But from a business standpoint, self-funded startups, you have to find the best value for your brand. You got to find a good partner and you got to make sure that you've got enough runway for whatever the next obstacle is going to be. If it's higher freight cost, you get dropped orders, there's so many different things that can happen in a business that you can't spend all of your money on packaging as much as I would love you to. You just can't do that. So you've got to be really smart about your money. And packaging is one area that many startups fail to consider when they're budgeting for product and marketing. Because packaging can be expensive and packaging has a really long timeline. Since then, I've left. The agency has gone on to weather the pandemic and they continue to implement this fast-paced concept development process. But again, I think if you're starting out, if you're in packaging and you're just starting out, don't hesitate to charge clients for the full value of what you're going to deliver. Don't provide hourly rates because that just means that that client's going to want you to work faster and deliver more for less out-of-pocket investment on their part. If you say it's going to take you five hours, they're going to say, well, why don't you just do it in three hours? And now you've just cut your profitability by, by more than half, by almost half. You know, and you have to look at the customer as if they don't value their brand enough to invest in it, it's okay to walk away. There's nothing that says you've got to stick around for that. So this is just my quick story on how I was able to go up against Vayner. I won, but I lost. But did I really? I don't think so. I think I learned a lot and it allowed me to do what I needed to do in those 12 months. And I'm here to talk to you about it. So I think just there's always going to be another agency out there that's either billing higher, billing lower, and you just have to be confident in the, in the value that you're bringing. So if you like this kind of episode, drop me a note and I'll make more. That's it for me. Thank you for listening. If you want to keep this packaging podcast thing going, listen to my buddy Corey Connors on sustainable packaging and also check out Adam Peake's podcast, The People of Packaging. If you want to speak to all three of us, check us out on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard on Clubhouse. Be there or be square. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much.